They're taking cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. Who is this Roger everyone keeps mentioning anyway? What do you mean? Well, I'll say, see you at the ramp at three, or can I borrow that lure? And they'll go, Roger, or Roggy. It's just getting a bit weird. No, 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 Tim. It's a military thing. Received, order given, expect results. Roger. Oh. And here I was thinking that the original Roger was so happy to please, he just became automatically associated with positive affirmation. No, no, no. So I'd say Roger to that guy now, would I? Oh, yeah. Roger to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Roger. Yeah, Roger. Roger. Is that it? Yep. But, so, but he's not Roger. No, no, no. No, no. That's the big guy that's telling us right. it's time to do the so show. So Roger means copy that. Yes, okay. that's right. Roger. Roger. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day, fishos, and welcome to the Tinny for another week when Andy Wharton's back on deck. Where have you been? Oh, you were at the Classic, Andy. Yeah, down at the Classic for the week, working and um, socialising. and Good fun? Just, oh, so good. Just amazing. And a shout-out to all the church members in particular down there that came up and introduced themselves. And, you know, we uh, we just it was just a really well-organised week. And to actually, I was worried when I went down to do the MC uh, and other work there that I'd be envious and I'd be you know, dreaming of the fishing every night and wishing that I was actually on the water fishing. And it was quite the opposite. I actually lived vicariously through the anglers and it was just so beautiful every night, just sort of watching the crews come back in and asking them how they went and hearing the stories firsthand. It was just magnificent, Tim, and I did get out a couple of times, uh, as we said last week, with a couple of guys in in the odd break, which was good, given that I don't have a boat at the moment. Well, I, I do have a boat. I just don't have a mechanism to tow it to a boat ramp. How long since it's seen the water? Uh, November, Too long. November last year. Because so. you don't have a car with the tow bar currently. Yeah, yeah, because... That's a shameful state of affairs. I know I know this one's out of your control, but... It is. You must feel shame. Oh, yeah, do you I feel, do. Do you feel some shame? Yeah, I've, I've, I still feel a bit a bit sort of traumatised, um, you know, from when the Jeep self-ignited. That All was, that was left pretty much was the tow ball, just to rub it in. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was an anti-ideal outcome for a vehicle to, to spontaneously combust, as it did in your case. Yeah, it was. But anyway, I guess that's... Um, you could take the Jeep tow ball and put it on a push bike. I mean, you wouldn't have been the first... No. It doesn't interest you at all. The boat's 1.4 tonne on the truck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, sadly, yesterday I walked out past the boat. We're sort of not really on speaking terms at the moment because it, <laughs> it, it, it knows that I know that I'm neglecting it. And there's, there's actually a cobweb growing on, on the transom. Oh, hurtful. Yeah. Hurtful it is, it for is the hurtful. boat. Anyway, I've been ordering a few little goodies. Like, like a bit, little, We're going to have a little boat Christmas. So there's some stuff coming off eBay and we're going to have a little boat workshop. Uh, working B one. You're going to restore your relationship. Going to restore the relationship with the boat. I was interested to hear that Beard went uh, chasing Spaniards this week in shore. I don't know if he told you. No, he didn't. He only came away with short strikes on the on the bait. Yeah. The only thing he brought home in the end was a fifty centimetre cod. And w- while he doesn't actually mind a bit of cod, cod's a right tucker. 
Um, he, he mentioned that emotionally, the night that he was filleting it the, mm. at the table, it felt like he was doing a bit of a fillet of shame. Oh, yeah. Filleting a cod. Yeah, okay. <laughs> My feeling has always been, Andy, if I'm filleting anything that I'm going to eat, there is no shame. I don't care what fish it is. I don't think there's such a thing as a fillet of shame, is there? No, I, I understand the fillet of shame. I, I'm sort of, I'm with him on that, especially when you go out with a particular species or, or size in mind. What, what's your fillet of shame? Oh, what comes to mind is the day that I put the sashimi kit together in the Pelican case for the boat, so a dedicated kit with the knife and the bento box and the chopsticks, and it was getting to 4pm in the harbour that day, and I hadn't caught a fish, and I snuck up to a well-known little spot and got myself a little 40-centimetre little brassy. And you did it. And I ate it raw. I mean, it's, they're not a bad sashimi fish, but I was really hoping for the, the tuna or the mackerel. In, in a ranking of shameful events in your life, how yeah. did that compare to your current state of affairs, just owning a Jeep tow ball and nothing else, and having a boat with a cobweb on it? Oh, no, no the fillet of shame was, was nothing. That was fine. That was actually an achievement. <laughs> That's right up there with life's achievements. <laughs> Plenty to come on the titty uh-huh. this week, Fishos. We'll be confronting a 15kg mackerel underwater as the uh, temps plummet. We'll take a look as well at how things are, uh, are shaping up on the blue and what it means for um, um, fishing Shoal Bay as well with those temperatures um, dropping across the top end as we head into the dry season proper. You with Tim and Andy on Tales from the Tinny. Don't speak that devil language around here. I've never heard such passion. Unknown destination, east of Darwin. <laughs> to a run the gauntlet. I like to think it can get better. Tales from the Tinny. Hi, I'm Tan from Wuna here. I've been going fishing at Mandora a few times recently. Caught a few decent fish. Yeah, meet up last Queenie. Um, I caught a 101 centimeter Queenie. Yeah, he's, he was really strong, but what's funny was just like both of my rod have live bait on, and he took both of it. That's how both of my rod was going off at the same time, but it was by the same fish. You thought it was a double hookup, but yeah, it was a double rod single hookup. That's right, I thought it was a double hookup, but then when I drew him in, he got two of my hooks in him. What is going on with this fish, man? How far away were these baits from each other? Like 10 metres apart. He just go in for one dive and took both of it, I think. So how did you handle that situation? I cut the line after I land him <laughs> and retie all my knot because <laughs> it was all tangled up so bad. And some decent brassies off there too? Yeah, I got one. But that was lucky because he was running in the pylon first. So I wait for maybe five minutes and then he start running out again. Tan, now the dry season winds have started uh, properly. Where will you be spending most of your time uh, flicking land-based? Um, probably East Point. A couple of weeks ago, someone caught a big Spanish, but recently I've only caught spot and grey mackerel. I haven't actually asked you about barra at all. Do you target barra or are you purely pelagic, man? Um, I'm more of a pelagic guy. Cause some people, when they see me fishing, it's like, oh, what are you fishing for? I'm like, um, just mackerel, tuna, and trevallian. They say, oh, this guy catch all the boring fish. For me, barra is boring because sometimes you flick the lures for the whole day, you caught like one or two fish. But like, if you, I'm going fishing at Randora, you usually catch like 10 or ish, even more someday. Barra just, I don't know, it's just not my type of fishing. Eh? All right, Tom. Well, good fishing uh, and best of luck for the rest of the dry season. Thanks for catching up again. 
Thank you very much and Darwin là một chỗ rất là tuyệt vời nếu mà những bạn nào mà thích câu cá thì có thể tới Darwin và bạn sẽ biết cái cảm giác nó cái không khí cái thời tiết và cái câu cá đấy nó rất là tuyệt vời. Like Darwin is the right place for fishing. If you like fishing, you can come to Darwin and try it out yourself. You know the fishing experience here is amazing. All that stuff. Good on you, man. Thanks again. No worries, man. I prefer speaking English. And like any good fish show these days worth their salt, Tarn has a YouTube channel. Of course he does. And guess what it's called, Tim? Tarn's Fishing. Tarn's Fishing TV. Oh, wow. Where you too can catch a 101 Queenie vicariously through the man himself. Why don't you have a YouTube channel? You probably do. You've probably got multiple. Do you have multiple? I have one. I have one. It's a little bit dormant, but it does capture a lot of the early days when I was particularly giddy about um, head cams and barra. This what this isn't the YouTube channel you started trying to catch fish, goldfish in the ponds of luxury hotels. No, no. So that's a Facebook page called Five Star Fishing, which is still active. <laughs> that that was that's literally where you go to five star hotels and and, and with a small little rig. It could even be just a sewing kit. And try to catch and release goldfish. You got about six to eight follows on that page. Yeah, it went up, went viral. It's like 20 plus now. So. That's awesome. My YouTube channel went a bit dormant ever since. Um, ever since your car <laughs> spontaneously combusted yeah. and left you with yeah. melted metal on the driveway and, and a tow ball. And a tow ball in my hand, yeah. And a cobweb much. on your boat. Yep. yep. You Good. okay, man? Yeah, I'm all right. Do you need to hear from Curbs? Or? What, what? Actually, that's a good question. So if, I, I want to ask Herbs, how, how do I deal with the fact that, that my Jeep self-ignited and I'm only left with a tow ball and a boat with a cobweb? What do I do, Curbs? How, how do I move on from that? Boy, you don't know what to do from the bush to the burbs when you don't know what to do. Just ask Curbs. Don't know what to do. Just ask Curbs. Who cares? Less stress, less. Stress less and enjoy life. When you don't know what to do from the bush to the burbs, when you don't know what to do, just ask curbs. Just ask curbs. At the end of the day, fish is just fishing. <laughs> oh, it was that. Was that? You've done it. That. That's the. You've done the jingle from your mountain retreat to the highlands. How was the colonic irrigation, by the way? Oh, it obviously flushed out quite a handy little jingle. Yeah, it flushed out a whole. It flushed out ideas. There were just ideas all over the bathroom floor. That was so the, that passes. You like it? That was the jaunty kind of rollicking vibe that mm. I th- that, that is perfect. Yeah. Um, for, for just ask Curbs. I can't believe that actually happened. We should ask Curbs what he thinks about his own jingle. <laughs> Let's add that to the list. It's going to be a long list for Curbs, isn't he? He's going to be a man in demand. Well, should we just do that now? Yeah. Hey, Curbs. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that jingle? Have a go at it. You can't go wrong, can you? I love it. What more do you want? When you don't know what to do from the bush to the burbs, when you don't know what to do, just ask Curbs. Just ask Curbs. At the end of the day, fish is just fishing. G'day, I'm Seth's old son from Karama. Sess, old son, before we get on to your sessions in Shoal Bay lately, congratulations, your team, uh, the AT Addicts, taking out third place in the Barra Classic. Yeah, cheers. Look, it's really second with Shane in another world, um, in the tackle world, boys. So, yeah, I'm telling everyone we got second. <laughs> 
Uh, and this is after uh, actually being part of the winning team in uh, uh, two years ago. So uh, you're doing all right. We were stoked um, with that win there and uh, had a new crew this year. And, um, yeah, we did really well, a lot better than um, our expectations at the start. We were sort of hoping for a top 15, so very happy. Two years ago when you won it, you, you guys all got uh, tattoos on your feet, a uh, little treble hook with, a, what was it, your BCC 21. Uh, third place, is that tattoo worthy? Uh, not quite, no. no. We'll see what happens next year when we um, give, them a, give another run. You hit Shoal Bay the other day and discovered that the water temperature had gone south pretty quick. Going across the bay, I was um, seeing 24 degrees on the on the temperature gauge and I was, uh, wasn't sure if that was working or not but it was was and um, yeah I was quite shocked how quickly that water has water temp has definitely dropped so definitely slows the fish down um, and I was a bit concerned I was like oh, I'm not going to get anything here um, and just yeah slowing down your retrieves and um, obviously now with the technology that we've got you can see the fish so it's just um, sometimes a smaller presentations definitely uh, help. And is that because they're just more willing to take uh, a smaller bait when they're when they're not as sort of energised? Or yeah, I think so. I mean, their appetite's not there. I'm I'm guessing. So um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, keeping it smaller and um, slow pauses, lots of pauses. You can see them actually follow the lure, and they're definitely slower at following it. Um, so working it slower, they give it gives them a chance to catch up to it, I guess, and and then finally get to it and eat it. Yeah. You did come away with a, with a 93, which uh, is still an impressive fish, but it is becoming a little bit more commonplace uh, <laughs> for you lately. Tell us about that fish, and then tell us about the fish that was bigger that you didn't get. Pretty early in the morning, the sun was just coming up, and um, ran a soft plastic just past its face, and it started to follow, and, and I like that dunk feeling, oh, it's just the best. And um, so I, I, I hooked this thing and I thought, look, that's a 75, you know, it's quite dark still. And wrestling this thing, it's doing some runs, you know, you start, come on, what's going on, thumb in the line, you know, get this thing in the net. And then all of a sudden it's 80 and then, oh, shit, it's bloody 93. So I was stoked. And then um, uh, probably half hour later, uh, same sort of thing, found a fish laying on the bottom and ran a lure past and it started to follow and it just sort of got off the screen a little bit, but... Um, hooked it up right near the boat and it came out of the water and just the size of it compared to the 93 it was definitely a meter you know and it's the old story you get back to the ram you tell everyone oh yeah i got a few fish but should have seen the one i dropped well you know it's um yeah a meter fish but that's just how it goes and i'll be back next time to to try and get him again (laughs) but um yeah so i actually went in there and um slept overnight to get that tide that i wanted um to be sort of semi-locked in it's a neat neat tide so um yeah my boat you need to sort of have a decent amount of water to get in and look i say in shoal bay you need four meters to go anywhere like minimum um and that's off darwin tides so yeah i like to get in there and and be ready for the, the time i want to be there so the question i want to ask you there is like you you'd slept overnight to catch that tide do you find that there is anything about the dawn bite is there anything to that um, that you factor in or is it just that's irrelevant to you it's just about the tides oh it's definitely a factor um, you know first light last light are always good times um, but it's also if you can line up the bottom of a tide or a tide change with it it's always it adds another element to it yeah I, I'd actually gone in there at night and often I get a few fish at night throwing some fizzes around but the the amount of bait in there it almost blanked out the screen 
on my sounder. Like I could see some barra underneath, but it was it, these barra would yawn and eat fish accidentally. You know, it was just ridiculous. So I was like, wasn't putting pinning any high hopes on this trip. But um, by the morning. Uh, the, the bait had sort of cleared a little bit and um, found some areas where there wasn't so much bait and that's where you sort of, I could catch a fish, yeah. It's an interesting problem to have, isn't it? <laughs> like, bait, would you just get out of the way? I'm trying to watch the barra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I think we've just had such a good wet season that um, all these bait that have come off floodplains or have, have moved out into all the sort of rivers and um, I think it's going to be a fantastic dry season for Barra yeah. I mean, we talk about uh, being able to kind of differentiate fish uh, on screen and, and sometimes that's what differentiates someone who actually knows the tick versus someone who doesn't uh, they can they can say that's a Barra that's a mullet in Shoal Bay you're often hearing about guys catching sort of jewies as let's say bycatch in inverted commas can you tell a jewy from a Barra on screen? I often struggle, like when you see a big dewy, you think that's a metre barra, you know, because they have the same shape sort of tails and things. But once you do catch one, then you can sort of look and see the shadow a bit better and think, oh, yeah, no, that's a school of dewies. And obviously dewies often are schooled up too. And those schools that you see, if you see them as barra, that's like something you dream of, you know, metre plus fish just sitting there all together. Um, and look, they, they're great to catch and fight, but um, yeah, not what you generally go into Shoal Bay for. But surely you can't help yourself in that situation. Anything that moves on the screen that looks like anything, I've bloody put a lure past, yeah, just in case. And you'd slept out overnight. That must have been chilly. Yeah, it was actually nice for a change because I do fish Shoal Bay a bit in the build-up and you're normally sweating, you know, going to sleep. And um, I had a blanket out and um, and the hoodie on, so it was, yeah, it was a bit of a nice change, yeah. A, b- a blanket? What, what is that? Yeah, I just throw an old doona that I keep a camping doona in, in on my swag and, um, yeah, it does the job. This weekend we got more of a blow on the way and uh, l- let's assume that, uh, that those water temps are going to go down uh, even more than they already have. How is that going to change the way you fish it, uh, expecting that the barrel will slow down? With this, all the tech we have now, it's you just go along and target individual fish. So it doesn't matter how cold it is, the barrel is going to eat at some point. And so... You'll find a fish, you'll soon find out if it's going to want to eat or not. They'll often even swim away from your lure. They're almost scared of it. Um, and then, so you just, all right, I'll move on to the next one, basically, and that's all you can really do. And just keep finding a fish and targeting it, and then not next one, then eventually one will like your lure and eat it. Yeah, just trial and error. Before we go, I just want to tap into one of your, it's not really that appropriate for this time of year, but you, you do have a bit of a hack for sleeping on the boat during those warmer months. The trick I found is when you're sweating and um, you know, it's the, it, you're sitting in a sauna in your midgy dome tent, I get a 1.25 litre bottle of water out of the esky in the ice and just lay that on your chest and um, I go straight to sleep. It just cools my whole body down and... Um, yeah, you can't beat it really. It's better than a fan. Yeah, just keep putting that on and off throughout the night and you'll be as good as gold. This is effectively like a hot water bottle, uh, but a cold water bottle. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it the first time I did it, I don't know why, I just thought this is, well, I was probably sweating my ring off and uh, and I fell asleep within a few minutes. It was great. Down south, some people will roll multiple hot water bottles, man, so you could roll a few of them. Yeah, true. I haven't um, thought about the nether regions yet, but um, we'll see. I can try that out. Maybe a 600 mil down there. Congratulations again on the classic uh, and, and best of luck at Shoal uh, through the dry. 
Yeah, cheers. And I've got big plans for all sorts of places this dry. I reckon the, all the top end's going to be really well fish, fishing um, from the great wet we've had. All right, so you're going to be branching out? Oh, yeah, I've got... I, I won't reveal all my locations, but I've got... Um, well, I'll say I'm going to go da daily after the way it fished in the Classic. I think a lot of the silt's gone out of the river, and even on the bigger tides, it's nice and clean, green water, um, plenty of fish there, so that's going to be a great place to hit. But I think all the places that I've fished in the build-up and the wet season are definitely going to be still fishing all dry. So Thanks again, man. Thanks, guys. Cheers. A couple of things to mention this week, uh, Andy, in Hoy. There was a video posted last week by the prodigal son, uh, Trent DeWitt. Right. Uh, he was fishing for Barrow in a tiny creek and getting them at his feet. At, hang, what, what? At his feet? At his feet. Hello, you, Mum. Bit of lamb base fishing today. I'm not even gonna cast. So it's so close, Andy, there's not even a cast. It's not even really a twitch, it's more of a kind of a a swish, I guess you'd call it, or a, a twitchy swish. Maybe a, a swishy twitch. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. It's a it's a swishy twitch. twitch. Hmm. I've seen it before with a school of you know raging queenies, where oh. you just kind of swishily twitch the lure around uh, with barely a foot of leader um, beyond the rod tip. You know, just swishily twitching, but never seen it on Barra like that. Okay, I mean. Really, casting's a bit old school, isn't it? Casting is a bit lame these days. It's a bit lame. It's all about the swishy twitch these days. Yeah. I mean, good thing you can do it one-handed, because if you're doing it with one hand, you can have your phone in the other hand and capture all the footage and film yourself doing it. One of the key advantages of a swishy twitch mm. is that you can film yourself being awesome while you're being awesome. Yeah, exactly. Doing an awesome swishily twitching. Casting. So yeah. old-fashioned. Or better yet, couldn't you hold another rod in the other hand so you're swishily twitching like a conductor with both hands. So you're doing it synchronised. Oh, like the like the the, the whip cracking. Yeah, but 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 with only like a foot. Yeah. Um, of line at the end of your rod tip. Mm. How'd you get that, Barramate? Like it was a double switchy twitching. Right. Wow. I was I was double double swishily twitching. I think I prefer the old school. I don't mind a cast. No, casting's so dead. It's so goddamn boring. Look, the other thing that gives me great pleasure but also unnerves me, as I think it will you and all of the church, is the axolotl is here. Uh, here is this foul beast. Yeah, yeah. How is this still... I'm how not, does it still even exist, I'm this not touching thing? it. I'm not even looking at it. It's a waiting... It's a waiting. It scares me. You know it scares me. I've never been a, a fan. Avert your eyes. Mm. It's a waiting pickup to travel to the darkness of the PNG jungle. In, in the steamy wilds of Lake Murray. Because you see, Andy, uh, horror has a face. You must make a friend of horror and stare it in the face. Otherwise, horror will be an enemy to be feared and, and its face will be an enemy. What? I think you know what I'm saying. 
I, I think I don't. I think you know what? exactly what I mean. No. Look at its horrible face. The problem is you, you're refusing to look I'm at it. I'm not going to look at so it. So you don't understand it. Yep. It, I don't need to. I don't need the horror. to. It scares me. The mission to be undertaken by Waddy and his entourage is going to achieve one of either two things. A, shed the curse from the lure by catching one of the most powerful fish on earth, the black bass, and hence finally ridding the world of a lure whose methods are unsound. Or, ideally, in the process of achieving option one, terminate the axolotl forever. Terminate. That's what we're after. Terminate the axolotl. Terminate it. With extreme prejudice. You understand, Andy, that this mission does not exist. Roger that. It's not actually... What mission? The aim is to terminate the axolotl. Never speak of it again. Just... Shut up. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a voice. Well, the temperatures are a-dropping, and with them, when the wind allows, Tim, so are the jigs and baits out on the blue water for arguably the tastiest fish the Territory has on offer. That brassy you once cut up for sashimi? No, not the brassy. Uh, for the For the reds, then. For, for the, the trout, although that that would be an interesting question. It, can you compare? Can you does one top the other between a trout and a red? It's a beef and lamb discussion. Oh, is it? Isn't it? Because they they can both be wonderful. Steve campaigns with our Afira Blue Water Charters <laughs> and has been out hitting them. Can you compare a red to a trout for the table, Steve? A red or a trout? Um, is it a beef and uh, lamb conversation? Like they're both yeah, equally good I, in their own right. I think the trout's. Me personally, I'd, I'd rather a goldie or something. Um, trout looks the part, but um, yeah, a nice golden snapper, I reckon. Trumps it all for tablefish. Good, good goldie, mate, or a nice sweet fin salmon, yeah. How how you been finding the goldies, mate? How's the blue been? Um, obviously uh, in between the wind, because you must have been getting pumped by it recently. It has been, but you know, so it's, it's, you can sort of hide along the coast. And um, when the wind drops off, you just move out a little bit. Um, Yesterday they brained it, they got they bagged out on goldies, they got some nice dewies, so every day's different, man. But um they just done a three day charter and um yeah, it smacked a lot of nice reds and that. Um, so it was pretty good they just moved out, out wider when when the wind dropped off, you know. Dundee. Yeah, out off Dundee, sort of out towards flat top and that. Just fishing that flat grounds and there, yeah, even the skipper commented on um where last year the bottom looked pretty barren, um, there was a lot more life on the bottom, uh, a lot more growth. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Steve, is it is it purely bait, uh, sausage roll and paternoster scenario? Or yeah, we, yeah. Are, we, are yeah, we, we doing any jigging or any plastics out there at the moment? No, it's mainly just a bit of squid and a bit of soury, mate. Drop it down and been doing quite well. Yeah, okay. And are you targeting more those um, sort of strictly neat clear water tides? Well, yeah, it was mainly on the, when we did the extended, uh, more of that sort of three-metre movement sort of thing. A um, bit cleaner water. And still a lot of sharks out there. Sharks everywhere. They're a bit of a pain. And what about on the pelagic front? Are your pundits getting any, any sort of mackies or uh, tuna or anything like that? I know it's probably no. often hard, I guess, on a bigger boat, isn't it, to chuck silvers? Uh, well, no, we do target uh, mackerel. But uh, I was talking to the skipper and I asked him about the mackerel and he said, no, they didn't, didn't target it. They were... A lot of locals, and they just wanted red, so they didn't bother with the mackies. So, Steve, on the bottom on a neat tide of three metres movement, 
do you still have clear bite windows or is the bite a bit more sporadic? Like you'll sit on a spot for a while, um, move to the next spot after the boat bite dies off or is this still a particular pattern with such little movement? No, it's just, just, just keep moving, mate. Just keep moving. You know, you'll hit a patch and, and probably be GTs and sharks and that. So the guys just keep moving and, um, yeah, hit little patches of fish and put 20 or 30 fish on in 10, 15 minutes sort of thing, you know. Yeah, and then, you know, once they get so many of that species, then, then target something else. And interesting what you were saying about the bottom or what the skipper was saying, that there's a lot more growth there. Can you... What, what what is the bottom like out at a place like Flattop? Because it's it, it's it's a long way off, and not not all recreational boats can make it out there. Is it as just kind of sporadically rubbly and rocky bottom as the rest of Fog Bay? Yeah, well, that's what you mainly target. You don't target the big structures and that, all the uh, more of that hard hard surface flat sort of country. Um, you get a lot more reds and good quality fish around it, and probably less sharks too where the, the real structure areas with the reef and that coming right up and that, um, there's lots of sharks. And with these winds, and they're actually picking up again this weekend, how do you navigate these sow-easterlies on a, on a charter without all your punters like bringing their own burley to the show? Yeah, well, sow-easterlies, you can just keep in close, tuck in close. Um, you know, the skipper yesterday, he said he was fairly close in around um, Bass Reef and that, so it's sort of protected, and they got like I said, they bagged out on goldies and got some nice dewies. And then if the wind drops off around midday, they can move out a little bit wider if they have to. You know? It just depends on the tides. And is that happening yet, Steve? Is that the kind of pattern we're going into where often there's a bit of a lull to go for a a, a belt um, soon after midday or in that early arvo? Yeah, definitely. Um, the wind drops off, you notice, in the afternoon. It drops right off. So you can get out for that afternoon session and um, get back in, you know. What have you been hearing on the barra front, mate? Any anything now that the water temps are, are plummeting? Um, still fishing well. Shane was uh, down at um, where was he? Shady. He said there was just fish everywhere. They didn't they didn't get a lot, but he got two two one oh seven I think it was. Um, and a few eighties and that. Um, one of the staff's been fishing um, freshwater side of Shady, and he said just fish after fish each time. It can um, it can be fantastic in the early dry freshwater shady, can't it? Yeah, well, he said you know he's getting twenty, thirty fish, um, nearly fish a cast. He said there was this, but nothing big. They're all sort of sixties, fifties, sixties, but good fun. Yeah, I heard similar from someone else earlier in the week as well. It sounds fantastic. Does when Shane comes home just with two meter, he's just two one oh seven. Does he? What, what's his mood like? Is that a bad day for Shane Compton? <laughs> Dad would no, no, no doubt say how disappointed he is in him. What a crap no, day. Just, You're better than that, son. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he just said how nice it was. Um, he went out Sunday night and he said the weather was just perfect. He said nice and cool. The day was cool. He said there was millions of fish. The fish were just everywhere. Wow. Um, at um, Tommy, at that, the water was good colour and that, but they just weren't on the tube. Did he report water temperatures out there? 27, I think he said. Oh, yeah, so not too bad, not real cool yet. Yeah. No, no, he said it was 27. He commented on that and how clear the water was and the amount of fish it was feeding, you know, but they just weren't feeding on lures. Yeah, Roggie. Well, exciting times for all, mate, as we transition from the dry into pelagic and blue water fishing, but also with obviously still a bit of barra fishing left to be 
to be had. And it should be said, mate, a hearty congratulations from the Church of the Tinny uh, to you and the team. We haven't spoken to you since the win, so good on you, man. Awesome. Stunning, stunning no worries. Thanks a lot, fellas. Catch you. It is the bowl. Fight every fish like it's a barra. Well, that makes sense. I'm definitely going to try that. Yeah. I'm highly addicted. Tales from the Tinny. Hi, my name's Mitch. Been in Darwin for five months now. Just moved up from the southeast coast of New South Wales. Just working in the hospital. Been diving up here ever since I got here, to be honest, because I've been diving 14 years now, so I'm 24, so yeah, ever since I was 10. All over Australia too, West, West Oz, you know, Queensland, and now finally up here in the NT. Yeah, so on the weekend went out, um, hit some some of the harbour wrecks and some of the lee point wrecks as well, just doing a bit of diving. It's probably my sixth or seventh time out there on the wrecks and definitely the best day. Pulled up on the first wreck and um, did a few dives just to get into it and there was a nice big bait ball on the wreck. It was probably 14 metres deep. Plenty of grey mackerel and broad bar mackies swimming around but, you know, nothing too exciting. Uh, came up and went down for the next one and thought, OK, like... I've got to be have my wits about me here because something big could come in. And then, yeah, I, I was looking down at a few fish and then just saw this big silver flash above me and looked up and honestly got pretty spooked. I thought, a big bronzy straight up. And then just squinted my eyes and thought, oh, hang on here, that's not a bronzy. Took a couple of kicks towards it and just saw the, the bars light up, just big Spanish, exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, so I just stretched my arm out and took the shot. The visibility was about two metres, so... To be honest with you, I couldn't even see the head at that point. I could just see the tail and just the rough outline of the fish. And that's how it is diving up here. It's dirty water and you've got to find a way to do it. So just placed the shot where I thought the fish was um, and just went, yeah, smashed it straight in the shoulder. I just smoked it and started stripping line off, probably took 10 metres off. And I'm, I'm yelling out to my dive mate, get over here, second shot, you know. When it's a big fish like that, you just want to get it in the boat as quick as you can. Two metres visibility, that is not the visibility that, that people are really accustomed to shooting mackerel in. No, yeah, a lot of my mackie dives have been in 25, 30 metre vis. You know, sometimes you get 10 to 15 and that's okay because the fish come in close, I want to check you out. But up here, it's a little bit different. And um, fish, when they're that close to you in dirty water, seem a lot bigger too. So this fish seemed about 100 kilos. So, <laughs> yeah, so it just, it, it took off like a Mack truck, just stripping line. And I've, I've called out to my dive buddy. He's come over and was about two to three meters off my fins. And he's just, bang, put the second shot in with a pranger. And that's all she wrote. Um, yeah, pulled it up and chucked it in the boat and it was a good start to the day you surface you, you know that the fish is not going anywhere uh and you got your hand under the gills how does that feel uh it feels amazing especially after so many dives up here of just not really getting what i'm after it's just sometimes a bit barren it's hit or miss especially with the weather and the viz like some of my mates are back home will go what are you talking about you know it's just a it's a 15 kilo spanish but to me it was you know i had to put in quite a lot of hard work up here and and battle the anxiety of, you know, crocs, sharks, this sort of stuff, which I'm not too worried about, but, you know, it is there. So, so yeah, it just it felt amazing to, um, to get this catch and, to you know, I've been promising a lot of people fish. So straight away I'm thinking, okay, I can give it to my workmates, I can give it to my housemate, I can... <laughs> I can pay my debts. Yeah, exactly, I can finally pay my debts. Been talking about it for a couple of months, but, yeah, so it felt great. What else did you happen across that day? plenty of finger marks so plenty of golden snapper around on most of the wrecks to be honest which is good to see big schools of them um i even had one school about probably 20 fish in it 
Um, and they're, you know, I've found that they kind of hang around. It's kind of like a safety in numbers thing with them. Like you can take one shot, come up, put the fish in the boat and then go back down and, and that, that school will still be there. So you might get two or three opportunities on the same school. Um, and also, if you do find a school of goldies, look out for a mangrove jack because that's usually what I do. If I find a school of goldies and there's no really big ones in there, I'll just wait a few seconds, look around for a jack because lately I've been finding you know, two kilo, like nice little fat jacks in those schools. So I'll, I'll pick that first because I think they're better eating. Um, so yeah, we've got mangrove jack, golden snapper, plenty of black spot tuskies or other people know them as blue bone. And then just uh, a couple of barra as well, which is nice to see. Uh, big gold spot cod, a few of those. Jeez, you're starting to really rattle off the shopping list here, bro. <laughs> Can we go back to the barra? How big were they? And how does one tussle a barra on a spear uh, in the middle of a wreck because that could go south pretty quick um yeah it can so you don't want to be diving without a reel or a float line if you're up here so those the fish that i saw that day were probably about 70 centimeters so not massive but still powerful fish um, and if you shoot them and they've wrapped you up in the wreck you want to be able to ensure that you can get to the surface without anything pulling on you and, and dragging you down so if you've got a belt reel, you can clip your gun to that and you can swim up. Just loosen that belt reel off, swim to the surface and regain your breath, go back down. Um, also, if you've got a float line, you can just let everything go. You can get your breath, you know, breathe up, go back down. That's the safe way to do it. But after I take a shot and it's, it's in the wreck, it's just go straight to pulling it out. If you've got the oxygen, don't swim straight up. Try and fight it first. Um, if you are feeling a bit gassed out, always err on the side of caution you know swim up but yeah just try and get that fish away from the wreck as quickly as you can and if you can't just loosen off the reel or the belt reel and go up so this is your best mission but two meters viz what's the viz been like on the other five missions on one mission we had about 30 centimeters and <laughs> the guy i was diving with he still wanted to go out so you know we went out and we checked the spots and i'm, I'm just thinking my gun's one meter long and the viz is 30 centimeters i don't know how i'm going to go here but okay let's get in he wants to get in so he's an optimist this guy so I, I kind of you know I, I adopt that as well nothing ventured nothing gained exactly yeah and you never know sometimes it's it's really dirty on top and it's clear on the bottom so you know we have to there's only one way to find out to get down there um, but yeah mostly being just incredibly dirty and you're kind of you're holding your gun back here trying to shoot you, know, you can't get full arm extension which makes it hard you're, you're missing shots when you're seeing fish or you're spooking fish so honestly it's always when you least expect it and you go out and you're just thinking oh, okay like it's just another day or whatever and that's when it will turn on and you'll just you'll get that fish you've been looking for it always happens so you know i'm, I'm always at every opportunity i get i'm out you mentioned your mates back south uh, who'd be saying, what are, you, what are you doing bragging about a 15 kilo Mackie? Which equates to what, maybe like a 120-ish or, or something. What's your biggest Spanish that you've got on the East Coast? Um, in Queensland, I, I landed one that was 28 kilos. Um, that was some number of years ago now. I was, I think I was 16 or 17 at the time. And I was doing a lot of trips out at the Sundays and Great Barrier Reef. And we had big 30 kilo models come in and all sorts of big creatures and yeah we landed a few and we lost a few as well because fish that size really do take off you know you need a float line or a reel and a belt reel you know they're just they're hard to slow down those fish um, but yeah I've seen a few big ones over the years. What remains on the bucket list for uh, spear fishing in Darwin? Um, I want to get the big black dewy so I just I want one that's 10 kilos or more well 
you know, I shouldn't say that. I, sh- I don't want any Dewey at this point because been here for five months and haven't managed to land one yet. I've had one encounter with a oh, really big one. It was probably 12 or 13 and shot it mid-body and it just took me straight to the wreck and uh, I was fighting it swimming up and snapped me off in about five seconds. You know, it was big, powerful fish and it's haunted me. Every time I go out, I'm just, where is this Dewey? Where is it? But <laughs> haven't come across another one yet, but it'll happen soon. So that's, that's top of the list, I think, at the moment. Have you paid all your mackerel debts already? Um, yeah. That, that 15 kilo model was just enough to get me by because honestly I had probably eight to ten people to pay off and then I wanted to enjoy some myself, you know, sweet soy sauce and spring onions and a bit of sashimi and uh, it's all gone now and this is only three days past the event so it's been smashed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good on you, man. Uh, congratulations on the, uh, on the big Mackie and um, we'll catch you on the track. Awesome. Cheers for having me. Tales from the tinny. Get a muddle up your brass. Andy, can you ever see yourself sitting on a wreck in two metres vis holding a gun and shooting a 15 kilo fish you can only see half of using your very own human live imaging? Um, well, I never rule anything out, Tim, but no, the answer's no. I can't see that happening. Mm. What I did love about that, though, was um, when he talked about looking at the different species and actually being able to, to identify which species you'd like on your table. Like, leave the barra and I'll just grab the jack. And yeah. A bit like a Chinese restaurant in Melbourne's Chinatown or, you know, walking through a, fr- just, a fresh just, fish market. Yeah, but, just picking them off. But they're actually alive and in the wild. I find that fascinating. I think that's fantastic. Mm. Nice going, Mitch. And let us know when you get that dewy. G'day, Tinny. you got Rhino from Palmo here. Decided to hit Corroboree uh, for a bit of a solo mission in the larger boat. Uh, presented a few challenges. I don't have a lecky on it yet, and fishing solo with a fair bit of wind around that we've had lately uh, meant it was interesting. Nice early start, beautiful sunrise. The conditions out there at the moment, for those that haven't been yet this season, there's plenty of water still around, lots of water sitting up high in the floodplains, and for those that know the main cutting down from the boat ramp, uh, the water on the left-hand bank there is still at the same height as the bank, so you can't actually see the bank really, other than maybe a few little weeds coming out, uh, which is a really good sign. There's heaps of water out there. The lilies have had a really good flush. Now, probably the only difference I've noticed there this year from the last couple of years is there's lots of, I'd call it a pastoral grass that seems to have grown over some of the channels, so some of the other little billabongs you'd sneak into maybe a fairly uh, overgrown with grass. Anyway, my plan was to go and find some warmer water. I think the water temp close to the ramp was... Uh, just over 25, you know, maybe low 26s, and I was sort of looking for maybe 27 to 28 degrees, thinking that might be the key ingredient for the barra to be a bit more warmed up and a bit fired up. Uh, so explored the billabong, uh, got a fair way up uh, and uh, found some areas that looked fairly fishy, um, basically trying to find a section of bank that lined up with the wind, motor and idle, and just trying to drift along at a casting distance away from the lilies and using the wind to just push it along. Luckily, Corroboree, you can go around a couple of different corners and find one that works where the wind's going to not push you into the lilies every two casts, and I managed to get probably 15 casts between them, so I had it kind of scum there for a while, which was nice. Tried all the normal techniques, trolled, cast all the rest of it and was having just no joy on on barra focused gear uh, so then i had to go back to back to basics and go down a size on uh, everything that i was using um, and started chucking around some small plastics using the wind to just drift the lily banks and trying to go stealthy as um, and as usual at corroboree uh, lots and lots of tarpon 
in amongst the tarpon though I started getting a few Saratoga and I think the biggest got to 67 which was my PB uh, Saratoga and that was a bit later in the day casting in under an overhanging tree into the shade while the sun was a bit high twitch twitch bang and it was on um, so great excitement thinking this is a barra for sure and then uh, it sort of fought a little bit and then just kind of rolled over and come along to the net but um, it was a good fish pretty fish uh, and made a day out on Crawberry at least worth the 100 casts plus that I threw for the day. Look, I think there's still heaps of water uh, sitting up on those uh, banks or up in the floodplains that's deep enough that they can get up there and be out of the way of all the predators, the herons, etc. Um, so my theory, uh, whether it's right or wrong, is that they're still sitting up there with plenty of food. Uh, maybe when the water level drops out at Corroboree a bit and starts uh, getting a bit lower at Shady Fresh and that sort of stuff, we might see some of those fish coming back into the main channels at Corroboree. I guess the good news is there's still plenty of water out there and it's still fairly clean, uh, so we may be able to catch decent barra at Corroboree right through June uh, and into July this year. Okay, Tim, not everything I say is sort of definitive, so occasionally I will rethink, which I think is a mature quality in a human, what particularly you, an adult. What have you said that you now need to renege on? Well, I, I blanketly, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't rule it out, but I pretty much said no to the underwater fishing thing, but I've rethought it. I've rethought it. I could put myself in Mitch's uh, shoes. Hmm. And I could see myself actually doing that. We get the, the, I think it's the choice that's got me over the line. The ability to actually choose which fish. So you, you took yourself there and were taken to a, a little bit more of a spiritual kind of zen place and thought, yes, that yeah. could be for me. Choosing whatever species I want for the table. I liked that part of it. So I took myself to a place of, um, of Andy's safety, which was behind a piano. And You haven't. Are you going to croon here live? I am going to. Naturally, organically croon. You've what, got you've got the what, lyrics what, what, or a, a rough idea. I've got a rough idea in my head, and whatever comes out of my croon hole, that's what you're getting. I am so goddamn excited. Um, do I need to count you in or something? Welcome all this evening to Tales from the Tinny Wine Bar. Help yourself to the free cigars and have yourself a, a spigot of Cabernet Sauvignon and sit back and enjoy Andy Wharton uh, with his uh, most recent piano crooning piece. My underwater fishy place. My underwater fishy place. It's my underwater fishing place. A happy place for me. Where I'm swimming in my wetsuit. Allowed to do a wee. It's my underwater fishy place. Would you like it to? Because I can spare a barrel. In my underwater fishy place It's my outer space In my underwater fishy place It's my happy place Oh, thank you. Been a wonderful audience. Thank you very much. Hope you like the little Eric Cartman tail on that. (laughs) Underwater fishy place. Oh, the crowd in the background. Uh, it's so real. Oh, uh, it's beautiful. Surreal. That was that was really, really beautiful. Uh, keep it coming, man. I seriously can't get enough of you when you decide to hit the keys. Uh, and see you back next week at the Tars and the Tinny Wine Bar. 
The following message is a co-production by the Top End Fishing Community and Tales from the Tinny. Locations may be shrouded in mystery, names may be changed, and the truth may be stretched a lot. All in the name of producing the Tales from the Tinny podcast. Available at abc.net.au slash tinny on the ABC Listen app or your preferred podcast provider. The Tinny Mole. I recently received another confession in my back shed chambers. I recognised the man immediately as a well-known top-end fishing influencer. He had some feelings regarding his chosen <clears throat> profession. What do you wish to confess? I asked. He took a deep sigh and began. No one respects how hard we influencers have it, he said. Everyone thinks it's a piece of piss. But that's bullshit. Is it? I asked. Hell yes. That's the definition of hard work, assholes," he said. No one gets the constant pressure under to catch epic horse meteries and be out on the water all the time. It's full on. Yet I still remember those innocent days pre-influencing. Free to feel joy catching a rat barrow. Free to take... No photos. Free to be a complete with in public without fear of being cancelled. Now? Where do I start? How about the constant recording of everything? The relentless generation of content, no matter how boring. I dropped a horse the other day because I was trying to film the prick. And the editing? You got no idea. What about all the free gear? I asked. Already planning on asking him for some lures later. Yeah, everyone says that. Free clothes, free boat wraps, free beer. Last time I checked, not actual currency. At least that's what the bank keeps telling me every time I go to pay my mortgage with lures and stubby holders. All I want to do is earn actual money and pay for the things I decide I want to possess. Come to think of it, it's worse as a top-end fishing influencer, because you've got to stay in a deliberate, dishevelled state to maintain your hard-edged territory authenticity. I just want to have a shave and wear country road shirts like a normal person. I tried to nod meaningfully and reply, but ended up just sort of bobbling my head around like an idiot. And the disingenuousness of it all, he continued. Can you imagine having to plug stuff without making it seem like you're plugging stuff? Like the turmoil of selling your soul, marketing shit to people with too much screen time and too much disposable income. The guilt of manipulating all those hapless fishos into spending all this coin. They don't tell you about that when you sign up. And let's not forget about being stalked by randoms from every corner of the globe wanting to collab and having to thank every obsequious punter. Thanks for the love, legend. Flexing bicep emoji. And physically? How about some RSI from the constant casting? Or a bung neck from watching the screen? Or a little sprinkling of hemorrhoids from hours in the edit booth? But no compo for me. No influencers union. Just another bag of lures and the directive from the brand overlord. Maintain the slobbering pseudo-worship of our gear, maggot, for this is capitalism, and you are our slave monkey. <laughs> there was a silence as he contemplated his catharsis. But you're still super grateful in living your best life? I asked. Oh yeah, he said. Super grateful and living my best life. 
you're subscribed, right? With that, I ushered him out. The sow-easterly had picked up and knocked over my tomato seedlings. Prick. I decided it wasn't the right time to ask for the lures. I am the tinny mole. And I am listening. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> How good. How good is that? Hey? We haven't heard from him for a while, the He's old back. mole, but... Doesn't mean he's oh, not active, doesn't yeah. mean he's not out there on call all uh, the time. Yeah. For, for, the, for important catharsis, if you two have been moved or, you know, sucked into the, <laughs> to a role as a, as a top, top, top end fishing influencer, he holds nothing back, the mole. No. You know, but he's there for, he's there for all. There's, there's nothing, there's no trauma that's too much, um, you know, for the mole to handle when you sit in the confession booth. Yep. And your identity is always protected. We it's, will honour that, and the mole right. will honour that. It's confidential, apart from the fact that it makes a radio show. Yeah, without, other than that. Without your name. <laughs> so other it's than basically that. confidential. If there's something, there's two ways to do it. Either you might have an admission, you know, something you want to re- reveal and confide in with the mole, um, or you might just want to dob in a mate. I mean, that's always excellent fun because then we, we we normally the mole can normally name them or, or will. Yes, yes. You know, if it's not a personal confession, if you've been dobbed in, then you're going to name the person dobbed in, aren't you? And that's uh, a, that's that's ethical. Oh, that's fine, and it's it's required. And even more so, you can dob a mate in with a made-up story, like just <laughs> stitch a mate. It doesn't have to be truthful. Well, the mole and the mole will uh, determine where the truth lies. You've heard this now. It's consistent. The mole will determine. The line between truth and fiction. Oh, yeah. The mole has a very good moral compass. Oh, bloody good. Hmm. Bloody good. You can send those um, reports in to fishing at abc.net.au or, or you can send them via um, the public forum <laughs> in a confidential way at ABC Tars and the Tinny on Facebook. A quick mention to uh, fish shows, uh, a heads up that the Rego Day is coming up for Max's cast for a cure comp. Are running again this year in September. Yeah, get in there and support that. It's it's a wonderful competition and a wonderful cause. The um the Rego Day is May twenty seventh, Andy. So yep. that that gives you about a week to get sorted for the Rego Day. That's at the Palmo Game Fishing Club. Uh, yeah, as Andy said, a big family friendly comp and all registrations. I think there were seven hundred or so last year. Yeah, it was epic. Um, go into a draw for a uh, a tinny, and there'll be heaps of stuff. Um, for the kids, it's on from midday on May the twenty seventh. So pop that one in the diary. But that is it from us this week, Fishos. Thanks for your company and, and thanks for the contributors today. Thanks to Tarn, to Cess Old Son, to Steve Compain, Mitch the Spiro, and you inspired me too, Mitch, um, the bong-hitting rhino, and to the ever-listening Tinny Mole. Remember this weekend, whether in the bush or in the burbs, when you don't know what to do, just ask Herbs. When you don't know what to do from the bush to the burbs when you don't know what to do just ask herbs don't know what to do just ask herbs just just do, just do it <laughs> shall we ask him what he thinks of your wine bar crooning we know what he's going to say he's going to say oh, it's great let's I love not, it. let's let's not let's rush not, how, how let's about... not rush the relationship we're in the honeymoon with curves at the moment let's not rush it we got a whole decade to go until next week fishers get a circumspect and philosophical mullet right on up here